to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. You're about to listen to episode 19 of the Exploring Washington State podcast. This episode, I have a conversation with Jasmine Donovan, the president of Dick's Drive-Ins, the quintessential Seattle hamburger spot. This is a really fun episode for me to record because I spent a lot of time eating at Dick's and they were the go-to place for us many, many nights uh, when I lived in the Seattle area and I always thought they were a really cool company and they served pretty darn good hamburgers. So this episode's a lot of fun for me. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for you as well. Uh, Jasmine's a great storyteller, tells us a lot of really interesting things about the history of Dick's Drive-Ins and we learn a lot about, about the company and all that they do in the greater Seattle area to support the community that's so vitally important to them. Without further ado, let's get started with the episode. Hello, everyone. This is Scott, and my guest today is Jasmine Donovan, the president and CFO of Dick's Drive-Ins in the Seattle area. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. This is super exciting for me because I've been a longtime um, fan and uh, consumer of your product, so this is great. I'm really looking forward Thank to it. Thank you. So why don't you just kind of give us the you know, the quick overview of the history of Dick's, because there's kind of an interesting story there. It was your grandfather that started it, correct? Yes. So my grandfather and two other partners started the business in 1954. And uh, two of those partners met when they were both, uh, for the first time, when they were both in World War II, they were drafted in World War II and met in Guam. Uh, My grandfather was actually born in Portland, Oregon. um, And one of his partners, Warren Gormley, was was actually the one who was from Seattle and in Seattle. So um, if it hadn't been for this, you know, amazingly uh, horrific and monumental event in United States history, the Pearl Harbor, bombing of Pearl Harbor, and then uh, the entrance of the U.S. into World War II, the drafting of all these young men from all over the country, Dick Strivens may never have started. So it's one of these, you know, a positive things that can come out of a, a very challenging time. Um, and so, they started the business together. They had very little money, um, but a, a great idea. Uh, their third partner was actually one of the first um, professors of dentistry at the University of Washington. So he was more of a financial backer. And he had heard through his church of these crazy McDonald brothers down in California. And so um, Warren and my grandfather went down to California to check that out. And they loved that model. They really tied on to it right away and and brought it back and, and made it a reality here in Seattle. So um, it, it didn't come easy, but they made it happen. And uh, they opened their very first day in, in January of 1954, and it snowed. Oh, no. So that wasn't actually the real first day. And then they then they had the actual first day after the snow melted. Um, and, and it was just a huge success from the beginning. Um, the original partners grew it out to being uh, five restaurants, ultimately, um, by the early 70s. And then they kind of stopped there. Um, and then in the um, early 90s, my family bought out the other two partners. And so it became fully owned by our family. Um, and then, uh, and, but that took a lot of work uh, and leveraged the company quite a bit. Um, so we couldn't grow then. And then um, in about 2010, we were really ready to start growing again. And, and my dad and my uncles were able to convince my grandfather that, hey, you know, you're the only person at the company who's ever built a restaurant before. We'd really love you for to teach us how to do that. And so um, he decided to go for it. And uh, we opened Edmonds in 2011, which is almost uh, almost 10 years ago now. Um, and then uh, most recently, we opened our, our Kent location um, back in 2018, at the end of 2018. And um, both times in Edmonds and Kent, our customers came alongside us and helped us decide the best place to go, which is just so amazing. And, and the, the outpouring of, of love from our customers uh, and support um, as we've started to grow again as a company has been really, really a cool thing to be a part of. I thought it was really cool that you guys, you know, gave the your customers a voice and like, where should we open next? I thought that was a, a really cool, uh, although it meant Tacoma. I lived in Tacoma at that, that time and it, you know, you know we're not going to get one. So I uh, had to throw my, my vote for, you know, for the Kent Federal Way because that was the closest mm-hmm. to home at that time. So, but hey, I think that's awesome. But your, your grandfather was from Portland, How? but his friend was from here. So how did they decide to pick Seattle versus, say, Portland at that time? They decided Seattle was an up-and-coming, growing city. 
and that's where they wanted to start their business. So, um, you know, my, my grandfather was a transplant to this area. Like so many of the people coming here right now and, and, um, really before COVID, of course, uh, for opportunity for new jobs, for new, exciting industry in this area. So, um, when we were born here, it was a similar kind of time when there was a boom here in Seattle and, um, and we were able to become part of the fabric of Seattle at that time. Well, you're definitely, definitely a part of the fabric of Seattle because when I shared this with some of my friends that I was going to talk to you for this, the enthusiasm has been, um, really like, they're like thinking I'm, they're like kind of jealous that I get to talk to you. So this is kind of, kind of fun. One of the things I've always noticed about, about, about your restaurants is your employees. And I, I I tend to pay attention to things when I go around, I guess I just pay too much attention to weird things, but I've always felt like your employees always look the same. What I mean by that is that it's not a, a, there's a lot of people staying at your work, work for you for a number of months and years. And I think some of that is, you know, you guys have a reputation for being a great place to work. You, you pay a very good wage, you offer benefits. How did you get started with that model? I mean, so many employers don't go that route. You guys from the very beginning, it seems like, embraced really caring for your employees before it became kind of that trend that the tech industry brought to our area. Yes. Um, conscious capitalism as it's called today was definitely how business was done from very early on in the partnership. Um, my grandpa and his partners cared deeply for the employees who worked for them and, and always did what they could to pay the best because they expected a lot out of their employees. Um, they knew that this was a stepping stone job. Um, and my grandfather um, got to use the GI Bill to go to college and it changed his life. So he wanted to come up with a way to do that for other people in the future. Um, he was the first in his family to ever go to college. And so it was just really transformational for him. And the, the access to educational opportunities was something that really um, made a big difference for him and he wanted to do for others. So that's where our scholarship program was born out of. So all of our employees have access to now a $28,000 scholarship over four years. Um, they have to work for us at least 20 hours a week um, during that time. But that, that also creates a scenario where we get a really great dedicated employee. Um, we want them to come work for us for a few years, um, use our scholarship to build up skills and prepare them for what's next in their journey and their life. And then we actually want them to move on and do other things. So um, we also though hire all of our managers from within. So we have a few core people that we really are so um, grateful that they choose us to um, dedicate their lives to those careers. And, and most of our store managers have been with us for decades. That's awesome. That's that's congratulations on that. I think that's just, you know, wonderful that, Conscious capitalism, as you said, I think that's just, I think that's one more reason to enjoy going to your guys' restaurants. But some of the other things you guys do is this, the, 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 there's always been those little change um, boxes in front, yeah. if you will. And, and back in the day when you didn't take credit cards, um, and we were, you know, throw the change in and all of that. And I was reading online that you guys have donated over $2.2 million to, to charity, just simply by rounding up, if you will, and people's spare change. How did that get started? And tell us a little bit, you know, about, about that. So that idea actually came from my mother and um, my mother is Jewish and has Jewish heritage. And um, there's something called it's a DACA box where you put change in to try to help. And she had this idea, Hey, what if we did this at our restaurants? Um, and, and it was a huge success. As you said, we've been able to raise millions of dollars of char for charities um, who uh, we focus our efforts uh, typically on um, charities that help move people out of homelessness. Um, but uh, just through little bits of change. And it was a major concern and discussion topic when we did decide to accept credit cards is that we were really deeply concerned that this would impact the amount of uh, funds that we could raise for our charity partners. Um, and that's why we added the Roundup for Charity program as well. So every order, whether you're paying with card or with cash, um, you can say Roundup and we will round it up to the nearest dollar and donate that change um, to our charity partners. And right now in particular, um, we're supporting American Red Cross and their efforts to help those impacted by the wildfires in our region. 
That's very cool. I, I, I didn't realize that you did the roundup piece as far as on the credit cards. Cause I always pay cash when I go there. I think that's awesome that you're willing to, to just ask that because so many times when you pay with the cards, you just, you don't think about doing those, those little incremental things unless, unless you're asked. And I think that's great. One of the things I'll, I'll, I always got a kick out of whenever I go there, I'll make my order and they'll go, Oh, that'll be $8 and 37 cents. I mean, it's like the, the person at the counter. I mean, I'm, so how many times have they heard the same order over and over? I've always <laughs> been amazed in their head. They're going eight thirty seven or nine nineteen or whatever it was. I always, I always thought that's pretty cool versus going to other places and they have to look at the cash register and go uh, six or, you know, they can't make change. And your, your crews always have been just like amazing. That's so cool. So you're giving for the wildfires now to the American Red Cross. I was driving in Omac the other day and I was, I was shocked at how devastated um, just the highway right next to the highway in Omac. It was, it's pretty amazing when you get close to it, that this has been a rough year for us so far. Yeah. But you didn't start out in the family business, did you? I did. I did not. Um, so did you ever I, work there as a teenager? I mean, did oh, you, yeah. Yeah, okay. did. so you did, yeah. you did kind of, mm-hmm. okay, I guess. Yes. I so did. you worked there as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Did they, I'm going to guess I know the answer to this, but I'll ask, did they treat you special or were you just like anybody else that worked there? I was just like anybody else else that worked there. But also I actually, when I went into the restaurants to work as a teenager, I wanted to work under my mother's maiden name so that people didn't know who I was. So the only person who knew was the store manager, but all of the shift members, shift managers and the crew members um, did not know who I was or who I was related to um, because I really didn't want to be treated differently. Um, And I really wanted to experience what it was like for our crew and and just learn the same lessons that they get to learn from the the opportunities in our restaurants. So um, there was one day I was late uh, and it was before cell phones were in cars. I got stuck in traffic and someone called the number on my employee card and it was my dad's voicemail. My dad was the president of the company at the time. And they're like, Oh my gosh, why, why is her number Jim Spady's number? What? That's crazy. And then, then the shift managers found out who I was, but it was, I'd been there a little while at first. Okay. What store did you work at or did you work? Did you move around? I worked at Holman road. So I I got to work as a crew member, um, two different times, um, once, um, before going to college and then once later on in, in a transition time for me. Um, and so both times we're at our, the home and road location. So that location has a kind of a special place in my heart. Yeah. Uh, That's actually one the probably the one I went to the most myself actually, when I lived over there, cause I lived in kind of that area Mm -hmm. was just kind of close to home, but then you went away to college and you weren't working in the family restaurant and I'm going to butcher what you did, but can you explain? Cause I think this is pretty interesting about you. What was your job in the Navy? What did you do? So I was an instructor at the nuclear power school in Charleston, South Carolina. So um, I taught enlisted sailors um, about the science and math behind their um, the nuclear power plants that they operate on aircraft carriers and submarines. So it was an amazing opportunity, a job I truly loved. Um, and I didn't realize how much I loved teaching actually until I took the job um, and, and just had an opportunity to work with truly amazing, amazing people. That's, that's kind of a joke that, you know, it's a, a little sh- a bit of a shift between nuclear power and, and a flat top uh, cooking burgers, but um, <laughs> maybe, maybe you guys are going to have nuclear powered grills. I, I don't know. I don't know. So You know what though? There's surprising number of crossover things that I learned from my time there. Um, I got to study um, and then teach heat transfer and materials, which has come in really well, of course, okay. uh, in, in cooking things and having hot grills and fryers um, in okay. building restaurants and stores. Um, math of course comes in handy in all many different ways. Um, and, and teaching is, is a great skill set when you come into a leadership position. Um, cause it's, it provides a really great foundation for the, the types of responsibilities that someone, um, leading strategy execution and change management need to have. Very good point. Valid, very valid points. So what brought you back to the company then? I mean, what did you did you just miss the the hand cut fries? Uh, you know, I'm, fries you know. are definitely my weakness. So that that probably <laughs> is what brought me back. But um, no, I the 
The timing was good in, in two respects. So um, when I was in the Navy, uh, right before I, I um, was assigned the position of, of instructor at nuclear power school, um, I uh, got married to my husband and we moved together to Charleston. Um, and then by the end of my four years there, you can only do this job in the Navy for four years at a time. You can go off and do other things and then come back and teach the school later on. Um, but you can only stay there for four years. So they definitely move people through to keep things fresh and interesting, um, both for the instructors and for the students who come through there. Um, so I was at the end of my four years, I had just had my first son. Um, my parents were eager for me to bring their first grandchild back. Um, and so I was looking at a career change no matter what. And, um, we, it was good time for the business and for my dad to have someone come back and start training under him. So I, I decided it was a good time for me. Very cool. It, by chance, is your husband from the Seattle area or did you, con did you convince husband, him to move here? <laughs> my husband's from all over, but his okay. parents, he, he was a military brat himself. Um, and his parents had settled in Oak Harbor, Washington. So, oh, okay. um, he did go to university of Washington. So they had, oh. they had pretty settled here uh, by the time we had met. So he knew what he was getting into by coming back to the area. Yes. Yeah. So I'm looking on your website and I'm seeing all these articles where you guys are referenced and there's some really cool ones here. The one though that I get a kick out of is Bill Gates waiting in line <laughs> with that thousand yard stare that we yeah. all seem to have when we're waiting in line at Dick's. I just, I just think that's so such a cool um, story. And I, I read that it was that photo was taken by a Microsoft employee that saw Bill there that, that night. I thought that was pretty cool. Have there been any other notice notable famous people that have, are there fans of Dick's? Oh, absolutely. And what's funny is our employees thought it was hilarious that everyone was making this big deal about Bill Gates being there because they see him with some regularity. Um, and so it was, and even funnier, the person standing behind him in the photo is a former employee. So there was a whole internal conversation about, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. So-and-so is back. Not that Bill Gates is <laughs> Um, but anyway, um, we've had many celebrities come by quite frequently, um, including our favorite quarterback from the Seahawks, Russell Wilson. He's a okay. fan. Um, I think he, we're his favorite cheat meal. It seems like otherwise he eats pretty healthy. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. He's that man takes care of himself. Doesn't he? Yeah. He does. Um, and Macklemore visits and, um, any, any number of celebrities, governor Gary Locke, um, did an interview in our Queen Anne location. Um, Bill Gates actually did a 60 minutes interview many years ago in our Queen Anne dining room. Um, when 60 minutes asked him where he wanted to do his interview, that's what he said he wanted to do. Um, so it, it's, uh, really? it was back in the nineties, I believe. So it was, it was really great. Oh, huh, that's, I'm going to try to go find that online. If I can mm -hmm. find it, I'll link it to the show notes. That's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. So with Queen Anne, let me ask you this though. All of your restaurants with the exception of Queen Anne don't have seating. That's correct. Why? I mean, I mean, cost per square foot perhaps, but, but is it a better model to be just a, a walk up? Or um, so it, it has been, but Queen Anne was created in very unique circumstances. So um, actually before the original partners built Queen Anne, they built a store in Bellevue. So we used to have a location in Bellevue. Um, and, and if you look at the um, uh, Bellevue way there, um, north of like Bellevue Square and there's a, a Wendy's and a, what's now an Umpqua Bank. The Umpqua Bank used to be a Dick's Drive-Ins and it's the only location we've ever closed. And the reason we closed that location, um, there were a number of reasons, but one of which is that our biggest competitor at the time, Herfie's, opened a location where the Wendy's is. And they were on the cutting edge. They had a quarter pounder. They had a bigger parking lot. They had indoor seating. Um, everything the industry was moving towards. And um, when the partnership ended up closing the Bellevue restaurant, when they uh, bought the property for Queen Anne and built the restaurant there, they built a super Herfies. 
So they built an even bigger dining room than the Herfies in Bellevue had with an even bigger parking lot. Um, so it's modeled after the old herpes, which don't exist anymore. Um, right. <laughs> Campbell's soup bought them out some time ago and, um, and then ended up completely mismanaging them and selling them off for scrap. So, um, the herpes that you see today have very little connection to the original herpes that are out there. So was herpes originally from this region when it started? Was it a local or was it a, I, I don't remember. I, mean, I, I believe it, it was. Yeah, it, I, I believe it I, was. I, I think I think it was too, but I, I don't remember. Interesting. And um, and they used a very similar steer image to the steer painting we have in the back of our restaurants. So they were again, they were our biggest competitor at the time. So the so the, the super herpes is the Queen Anne, but you yes. then the two the two new ones have been back to the old model. Yes. Um, yeah. They they the older models, um, especially you know, you get into the time of happy days and kind of this nostalgia period. Nobody had restaurants like those, those anymore, except for us. And those suddenly became uh, not old and tired, but vintage restaurants. And it was suddenly very cool. Um, and then we, we had our first, we had our 50th anniversary and we did our first memory contest. Um, and that really kind of opened our eyes to the amazing memories our customers have made at our restaurants over the years. And there's just some Something about that experience of coming up to the window that really um, made that those memories um, possible and stick and come back um, that consistency over time. Um, they're also an extremely efficient restaurant to operate, which allows us to sell a very low cost product um, and still have money for scholarships and benefits for employees and things like that. So the kitchen layout was that by accident that it came up. I mean, you, you basically in your stores, you have, you, if my understanding, if I, if my memory's right, there's like two separate, there's like one side of the store is one grill and a fryer. And it's like the store split into two, if you will, there's, there's two, two grills, two fryers, two, so two shake machines. That's the newest adaptation um, okay. to our restaurant. So we added on to our location in Wallingford to add a second grill and a second fryer um, to beef up capacity. We have one shake production area, but a couple of stations for re-whipping, which is when we take the shake and whip it up fully to give it to the customer. Um, and then our, our newest stores, Edmonds and Kent, have been built off of that double Okay. grill double fryer model for maximum capacity. But the original locations and even Queen Anne is just one grill and one fryer. I, I, earlier I said I paid attention to things like maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I'm flattering myself. Maybe I don't no, you got, you got most of it. You noticed the two grills, <laughs> two fryers, definitely. And there's a couple of rewip stations. So I'm, I'm sure that stood out. Mm-hmm. So you've been voted, you know, the best burger, you know, we, we've had this, this joke about, about, I love your, I love your fries. I just absolutely, I think honestly, full transparency, the fries above the hamburger. I mean, I think I love the fries. Uh, In fact, I order a burger and two fries is kind of my, my problem, but you've been rewarded a lot of best burgers from various places. And I think people from out of the area, you guys have a reputation outside of Puget Sound as well. Right. I mean, it's, you know, know. we do. And, and people, a lot of people have grown up here and moved to other places. So they, they carry that um, passion for our, our product, for our our burgers, for the experiences they've had that have been connected to our food and those memories and, and take it with them when they travel across the country and across the world. Yeah. I just, yeah, I got to talk you guys into putting an off or a location in Wenatchee. I just, you know, I think that should be your next, next place. Uh, because we have so many people from the West side moving over here now, myself being one of them, I think you'd be welcome to Wenatchee. Um, there you go. There's my I, tip. I will definitely put it on the list. I'm excited for all the restaurants that we'll be able to build as we continue to develop our ability to grow. Um, cause again, like you said, there's so many people who came from here, but are moving to other places and, and they, they love the, the food that we bring to town, the employment opportunities we bring to town, the, the involvement in the community that we have everywhere that we go. And, and, um, that it's not just about, the burgers for us, although that's a big part of how we provide timeless value for our customers. It's, it's about the jobs we create for our employees, the opportunities that we create in those communities we go into. And um, that's really what makes us super passionate about continuing to build restaurants. So is it, you know, is it 
relatively safe to say that at some point in the near future, near not being tomorrow, but not being 10 years from now, that Dix will open another location in the Puget Sound. It's is that reasonably safe? Yes. Yeah. Not asking you to promise anything. No, no, that, no promises at all. But yes, it is reasonably safe to say that. Um, and that's cool. Um, yeah, we're we're excited to continue to grow again as long as our customers want us. Um, we want to be able to build more restaurants, provide more jobs. Um, every new location creates about fifty jobs. Um, so it that's part of what makes us so passionate about continuing this work. So how many people work? work for the corporation now then ballpark um about uh between 250 and 300 depending okay. on the season um we have okay. uh, some employees who come back and work for us in summers when summers are are busier um a little different in covid time um but we never had the shutdown and um, we didn't have to lay anyone off or put anyone on furlough so we were really yeah. happy that we were allowed to stay open and continue to serve our customers so in COVID, I mean, we've, we've been talking about, about that with a lot of people because it's, I'm going to use the over the, the word that's of the year that I hate, but the word pivot, you know, everyone's pivoting. <laughs> I can't wait to that word is like stricken from my vocabulary. <laughs> how, how did you guys adapt to this restrictions that we have, you know, social distancing, all those things? How, um, what did you guys implement so that you could stay open and keep serving people? So to start with, I mean, baseline, we felt super blessed that we were set up from the beginning to do well in these scenarios um, for many reasons. One, of course, the most obvious, we're already all takeout all the time, right? With the exception of Queen Anne, there's no dine-in. And so we could uh, adapt to that part. Uh, extremely easily. We were also had a long history of being known for being super clean in our kitchens and being being a role model for public health. Our restaurants, again, all with the exception of Queen Anne, are fishbowl. You can see where the food is produced all the time. Um, you see how clean it is. You see how hard our employees are working all the time to keep things clean, all the sanitizing that's happening constantly. Um, all of our kitchens are set up with stainless steel counters. Um, along uh, everywhere. And, and although, um, there was some, some information at first about, you know, high touch surfaces and whatnot, uh, the way that our counters are created and all the custom metal work that we do creates one seamless counter that is really easy to sterilize and sanitize throughout the day repeatedly. So we, we stepped up sanitizing, sterilizing right away. Um, we asked customers who could to stop paying with cash. We were concerned about cash as a transmitter right away. We um, installed sanitizing stations all along the front counter. So um, employees who do have to touch cash in the transaction could sanitize their hands. And then we shifted to sanitizing on you know every transaction or so. All of our products are either very hot or very cold, which are not the best environments for COVID. So we don't have a lot of room temperature products. Um, our our employees are already screened to be you know healthy as food service workers, but we added to that screening with you know the COVID questions that, that we've all been asking now these days and with temperature screenings right away. Um, it's funny, my parents were actually in Hawaii at the time and we could not get temporal thermometers here at all. So my parents in Hawaii were going to drugstores, buying temporal thermometers and shipping them to us so that we could get them in the stores. Um, like we had sanitizing wipes everywhere. I brought in my personal stock of hand sanitizer and sanitizing wipes and it was distributed throughout the stores. Um, so everyone came together and, and we were adapting daily and just we're so grateful for our customers for um, continuing to support us through all of that, for their patience with our many, many communications on what we were doing. Um, we, of course, uh, got masks in as soon as um, we were able to source them and felt that it was reasonable to do so without taking away from health workers um, for those employees who were high risk or had high risk members of their family, um, we gave them the opportunity to stay home really early on um, and continue to pay them their regular hours while they did that, while the federal um, programs to help them came online. Um, so we were doing a lot. Uh, we put markers in the patio to space out social distancing very early. Um, and even before we had a chance to do that, 
we were trending on Reddit, Reddit, excuse me, across the the nation because our customers were automatically social distancing in line, and someone got a picture of it. It was fabulous. So that's, um, that's awesome. Yes, yeah, it was a, a big team effort, and big shout out to our customers for their patience and all of this. So I'm looking at your press releases, and I see you guys donated over a thousand burger boxes back in April. That's very, very cool. That was very yeah. kind and generous of you guys to do that. That's just, that's awesome. Again, big shout out to our customers there because they, they bought a bunch of them and then we matched everyone that the, that yeah. the customers uh, bought. And um, it was so great to bring those out to all the, the health workers and, and first responders across the region. Um, and because these cheeseburgers and boxes travel uh, pretty well, um, we were able to get pretty far. So we were down in Tacoma. We were up as far as Marysville and um, maybe even a little bit farther north. Our team was delivering burgers everywhere at all times of the day and night. We were getting the most amazing notes and and thank yous from nurses working so many hours and just uh, really appreciating the warm burger just as their one moment to pause and everything. Um, so again, huge shout out to our customers for making that possible. That's very, very cool. And I know that this didn't happen this year, but I didn't know you guys did anything about this. So South by Southwest, you sponsor yes. bands? Yeah. So we've been involved in South by Southwest for a little while. Um, my brother has a so- social media marketing company called Creative Empowerment. And he does amazing work for lots of clients in the region, including us. Um, we're lucky to have that skill set in the family. And um, he has done some amazing productions down at South by Southwest. And we've been able to partner with him using our social media channels and our followers to kind of broadcast out um, Seattle musicians back to the Seattle area from South by Southwest. And it's gotten a little bit bigger and a little bit more exciting and different every year. And this year, um, they of course couldn't go because of COVID. So they, they did a production actually here in Seattle, um, with all these bands and all these you know pieces of art that they created for the stage. Um, and they did panels with business owners and musicians on, on how to, to pivot, to use the word or adapt in <laughs> times of COVID. And uh, it was just, it was really amazing. And I personally don't usually get to see those productions. Um, other than the broadcast, because I, I don't usually go down to South by. So it was really cool to see the production in in, um, in progress because I got to go to the studio here where they did that. That's very cool. I didn't I did not know you I did not know you guys did that. That's that's super entertaining and interesting to me that you guys that's a great collaboration. Very cool. And it's a part, it's all a part of what we do. Um, uh, in addition to providing the timeless value is building those lifelong memories with our customers and, and connecting them to experiences and, and connecting them to memories and connections across generations, connections to local culture, connections to, um, uh, music and arts. So, um, it's, again, it's, our core is burger fries and shakes, but it's, it's so much more than that. Well, it powers a lot more than that. I mean, yeah. that might be the core, but it, the, it's a, an engine that does a lot of really cool things. So I've got a couple of questions that I just personally, am going to find interesting. The audience may not, but I I'm going to ask when is the busiest time at your restaurants? So that really depends on the location. Um, so Lunch and dinner usually are pretty busy, right? We have our standard busy times where it's all hands on deck, um, especially in those neighborhood locations um, like like Holman Road or Lake City. Um, of course, post events, right? We're we're definitely missing the home Husky games, the home Seahawk games, uh, getting to feed all those customers um, in celebration after or um, uh, to console them after a loss. Um, or to help them with their pregame. So we, we are missing that on the weekends, unfortunately. Um, but those are pretty busy times. Uh, obviously, at Queen Anne, after events at what was Key Arena, which will someday be Climate Pledge Arena when the hockey team is there and, and fans are allowed to show up, we are very excited to be supporting the new Kraken team and uh, feeding all those uh, hungry fans after games. So those can be super busy times. And then, of course, any concerts or events in the area can drive a lot of customers. 
Well, I would think Queen Anne, like you said, after Seattle Center events would be, because that's when I would go there is, is like after a concert or uh, back in the day, a Sonics game. Right. Um, I, I hate to say that. It just makes me sad. I know. Uh, <laughs> all right. So after events, lunch and dinner. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is the most popular order at Dick's? There's got to be one combination of items that. So if I had to pick one combination of items, it would probably be a deluxe, a fry, a chocolate shake, right? Like that is, that is a standard. I <laughs> to see that I'm in the majority. Okay. Yes, yeah. That is a very <laughs> popular order. However, I will say again, it does really depend on the location. So um, like up at Edmonds, there's, there's a lot more families coming to us uh, versus like Broadway is more people buying for themselves. So more one meal type versus a uh, um, family of four um, okay. worth of food. Um, down in Kent, we've discovered they are big fans of strawberry shakes. So um, that, is a, that is a very popular item down there in Kent, more so than any other of our locations. So we were a little surprised. We had to scramble a bit at first to make sure we were ready with enough strawberry shakes down there once we realized that. But um, so every every location has its own uh, little twist and, um, and preference. So... Um, there's not just one common order. Just not just not one that's like, okay, you know, three to one, we sell this. It's, right. it really is going to be okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. So when you describe it like that, that the, the Capitol Hill audience, I think would be different than the, the Edmonds audience just based on its location. All right. I'm stalling because I've got, we've got something I want to ask you about here, but so we're going to pause and ask you some questions about you. And we're going to come back to one last thing about Dex here in a second. So what do you do? So this podcast is all about exploring Washington state. So we like to talk to our guests about what they do when they're not doing what it is they're doing for their, their business or career type thing. So what do you like to do in and around the Puget Sound when you're not leading the ship of, of dicks to world domination and hamburgers? <laughs> I like that world domination and hamburgers. Um, yeah. I have two sons. And, um, we enjoy all sorts of things in the Seattle area. And then I also, um, had the great pleasure to grow up actually at Snoqualmie Pass. So, um, I love going up to the pass. We, both my boys ski, I taught my husband to ski. Um, so we spend a lot of our winter, uh, leisure time, um, skiing up at Snoqualmie Pass and, uh, we love to go hiking up there, um, as well. And then around the Seattle area, we have just such amazing opportunities, um, such as the Museum of Flight or the uh, Woodland Park Zoo, the Science Center. So we spend a lot of time in in those attractions as well. Um, my parents are avid boaters. So we love going out on my parents' boat from time to time on Puget Sound. That's just absolutely lovely. Going up to Port Townsend on the boat um, is one of my kids' favorite things to do. So, um, so many amazingly beautiful places to explore, um, in Washington state. And that's mostly just the Western side of the state, not yeah. even to say the Eastern side of the state. Um, where do you so. go on the East side when you, when you, when you journey over to the, to the East, where do you go? So it's, we haven't like spent a ton of time on the East side of the state yet. We love going up to Sun Mountain Lodge. It's more North, um, Northeast mm-hmm. in the Winthrop area. Um, my, my kids are pretty young still. So I have a second grader and a kindergartner. Um, okay. so, uh, car travel, long car trips is not something we've done a lot of just yet. Um, we did drive down to Sun River in Oregon recently and that that actually that car trip went better than we expected. So we feel like there's a whole world of car trips that are opening up to us uh, to, to explore more of the Eastern part of the state. Well, and the other thing you can do is if, if they're into skiing, you can take them up to Baker, down, oh, you know, yeah. Crystal, you can, you can stretch it out a little bit. And, you know, even though this is exploring Washington, you know, I'd be remiss when you can going up to Whistler in Canada yeah. would probably be a, a pretty amazing. Absolutely. Um, they're just getting yeah. to that skiing ability where we feel like ski trips would, absolutely be worth it. We, my husband and I have been up to crystal a few times and we, we love going up to crystal. So it'll be exciting to get the boys on some other ski slopes too. And, and they, they're actually skiing, not snowboarding. They are actually skiing. Yes. Oh, snow, it seems like the kids these days, <laughs> I'm going to say stay off my lawn next, but the kids these days, you know, want to snowboard. My granddaughter is, you know, she doesn't want to ski. She, she wants to, she wants to snowboard. And, Thankfully, um, my kids are young enough that they still want to do what what my husband maybe. and I do, and so we're okay. skiers. So they're they're okay. super into skiing, and and their grandparents ski too. So okay. they they That's still want to follow the crowd. 
All right. So we always ask our guests where they like to go to eat and lunch or dinner, you know, type thing. That's a little bit off of the beaten path. I don't think you eat your, yeah, I don't think you have a deluxe fry and a chocolate shake every day. I just don't <laughs> think you probably do that. Um, so where's a place in the greater Seattle area that might be a little bit off the radar that you think is a, does a great job. So, um, I have a number of friends in the restaurant industry who have amazing restaurants, but again, as a young mother of young kids with very uh, specific eating preferences, um, <laughs> we, we have a, a neighborhood um, teriyaki place that we just really love. And we eat there probably at least once a week called Ichi Roll Walk and Teriyaki. Um, and uh, it's up off of Greenwood, one one twenty fifth, um, And, and we love it. It's, delicious. It's okay. great. They're, they're fast. Um, so that's, okay. that is our go-to place. That, uh, if we're not go-to? doing something quick serve style with my kids. <laughs> so Okay. Um, are you a coffee fan? Seattle? I mean, everyone that lives oh, yeah. in Seattle has to be a coffee fan. Of course. All right. Okay. So we're going to take the big one off the table. Can't talk about them. Mm-hmm. Any coffee shops you like? Hmm. You can say the big one if you have to. No, okay. I the, I know I can leave them unnamed. That's that's usually where we typically go. Sure. Um, again, my kids are big fans of the cake pops, so um, that, okay. that's a big winner. <laughs> um, but there's a Diva Coffee right next to their school, um, and so we, when school is in session and we are going to school, we we definitely are there at least once a week, uh, sometimes more than that, uh, as a as a stop off on the way to school. I like Diva. Diva does a nice job. That's, that's a good, that's a good one. Good job. All right. So just recently, just very, very recently, Mm -hmm. you guys made a big announcement. Yes. You have a food truck coming. We do. What was the process that you decided to get? I don't want to say into the food truck business because I don't think that's what it is, but what, what was the, what was the business decision? What, what, what brought you guys to a food truck? I mean, I think that's a really cool idea, but you're very, you seem like a very deliberate company. You don't seem to make like your menus haven't changed very much. That's you guys are very consistent. I mean the 12, the 12 burgers. Okay. You got different color foil, uh, <laughs> but no, what, what was the, can you share with us what the, tell us about the food truck and then kind of how you decided to go that way. Yeah, absolutely. So this is one of these um, interesting silver lining opportunities that's come out of COVID for us. And I think every business uh, is is figuring out what those are for them. Um, and, and in our case, a food truck is something that we've been thinking about for a long time. I actually have a file in my drawer that I started on, you know, what it would be like to have a food truck when I first got here and maybe 2013 or 14. So it's something we've been kicking around, but the, the opportunity cost, you know, we just had such busy restaurants and we were focused on more on, you know, how do we build more stores and, um, you know, big locations. And, and we just didn't really have the bandwidth to dig into it. Um, but then with, with COVID hitting and, um, with things changing a bit for us and, and our, you know, our Broadway and Queen Anne stores are became much, much slower overnight. Um, and, and just with fewer people coming into the city with no events, um, with some things we've learned through our builds uh, of both Edmonds and Kent and, and some of the new folks who've joined our team, um, we found ourselves in a, a different position where we felt like we could really, we could actually do this. We, you know, we did a little bit more investigating and looking into it and, and um, you know, made sure our business was stable enough to invest in something like this. Um, and, and we decided that it was, and we're just super, super excited to be able to bring burgers to the people since the people can't come to Seattle. Um, we're excited to, especially for all those fans, we, you know, every time when we opened a, a poll for, for Edmonds and for Kent and for anything that we do online where we're engaging our customers, you know, how come you can't come to Bellingham? We want you to open a store in Issaquah. We want you to open a store in Tacoma. Why, why can't you do that? And, um, it, it takes a lot, a lot of capital and a lot of time and a lot of resources to build these big stores. And we're committed to continuing to do that as long as our customers want us to, but it's not a fast process for us. Um, we also 
you know, again, all of our managers are hired from within. So we've got to make sure we have the people to run these stores the way that we we want them to be run. So some of it is training up and making sure we have the, the managers ready to go. Um, so in, in the meantime, while we are taking our, our slower, more deliberate process, as you said, and building these bigger stores, if we can make this food truck work, we can bring burgers to Bellingham on a regular basis and cook them there, right? We can bring burgers to Issaquah and Tacoma and um, maybe Wenatchee if we figure out how to get that far. Um, we can, We're not that far. We're not that far. <laughs> we can. I'll buy the gas. Awesome. Um, we can, uh, like with that hospital heroes program that we did in the first responders, right? We could actually, instead of trying to produce the burgers out of all of our number of restaurants and and figuring out the logistics of getting them there, we can just park the truck there and, and feed first responders right there. Um, we can use it. We get a lot of catering requests, people who want us to bring burgers to their wedding and um, and have food at their large events. And, and we do all the ones that we can possibly make happen, but um, we're limited by capacity and, and how far that burger would have to travel. Um, and so again, the food truck gives us the opportunity to, to bring it to you and make the food right there. So um, we just felt the timing was really great with COVID. Uh, we think that we're going to be without large events um, well into next year. And um, this is a way that we can go to neighborhoods, go to cities, go to towns um, where those people you know, would normally be coming into Seattle for one thing or another now and again, but, but just won't be doing that uh, over the next year. And we'll be able to bring the burgers to them. You could get, you know, how ice cream trucks play music when they go through town. You could do that <laughs> and people would be running off to the, 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 the burger wagon. I think it's, I think it's a great idea. And now that you're announced it, I kind of went, well, haven't they done that before? I never would have <laughs> thought about that with you guys. But now it's like, why didn't they do that before? So you've got this, you know, truck poll here where you're asking people, where should we go first? And mm -hmm. You know, we already know it's not going to be Wenatchee and just I've resigned that we're not going to win that one. But you've got a couple of other questions here. And so you're offering, you're asking us for food truck locations. Like where's a good place to take the truck? I think that's awesome. Yep. Um, sign up for your newsletter. Mm -hmm. Great. You don't care about follow-up, but I don't know. You know, I don't know if we're going to go into this, but I'd like to buy out the truck for the day. Mm -hmm. Is that a possibility? It is. It is a possibility. We've had numerous requests for that already, actually. Um, and the hardest part is we were we weren't actually sure if people would be interested in that. Um, but now they're they are interested in that, and they're like, "What does it cost?" And I honestly have to tell them, "I don't know yet. <laughs> I'm sorry." Well, what do you think? Do you know? Do you have a ballpark of what the the capacity of the truck's going to be? That what mm -hmm. you know? How many orders you can make? Yeah. So, a uh, fully stocked. We think we'll be able to serve about a thousand burgers out of it. Wow! Fully stocked. Um, and again, wow. we've got to get it out there and operate it, and like work sure, out all the. That's a lot of burgers. But yeah, it, it is it is a lot of burgers. Um, and and it's our usual mix. You know, we have all of our our regular burgers for sale. Um, I know you're a huge fry fan, and I'm so sorry to say that the the first version of the food truck will not have fries on board. Um, our fries are are very unique and do not lend themselves well to being mobile. But we are working on that problem. Um, and when we figure out how to run this truck extremely well, we will bring on. A, a fry truck that will follow along as well. But or we a potato want, trailer. Or a potato you know, trailer, exactly. It's really the fryer yeah. that we're struggling with itself, the three bank fryer. But we'll figure it out uh, one way or another. Um, we will figure that out and and uh, it will join the, the food truck fleet uh, shortly. So. so fleet implies multiples is this a very possible very possible to have multiples it's going to depend again we're going to start with this first one see sure. how it goes we want to make sure we can deliver for customers that same timeless value that they get in our stores um and you know there may be some a few unique things that are different but for the most part we want a, an excellent experience for our customers um you know we want our our food to taste fantastic just like it would when you came to the store and again we just we weren't quite sure how to make that happen with fries yet but we we felt we could do it with um the burgers and with shakes so those will be on board for day one of the food truck that's that's very exciting and the reason i'm asking about the buyout is i think explore washington state would would love to throw an event and this sounds like a, a really interesting thing to add to that event so we, we might talk 
at some point in the future. Absolutely. The reason that I reached out to you guys though, I, I got to share this because you, you mentioned catering and I did, I recorded an episode with a, with a woman who does elopement adventure photography, oh, which fun. was a string of words I'd never heard together before in my <laughs> life. Uh, but she was great. Cause it's go hike up in the mountains, elope and get married. Anyway, we were laughing because her favorite hamburger in Seattle is, is Dick's drive-in. And, and I go, Oh, wouldn't it be great if Dick's would cater an elopement wedding? And so I'm talking to her kind of like I'm talking to you. I actually went to your website and there was a contact and I reached out and you guys responded. And so here we are talking about this and now I find out you have a food truck. So this is, this is really, really awesome. So we're going to wrap this up. Do you have anything else that we didn't cover that we should, uh, what else can we say to the audience that might make them, you know, uh, I don't know that's news, news and noteworthy, anything like that? Well, first of all, please, please um, vote for where you want the food truck to go because we are going to use that to decide uh, really, really genuinely. Wenatchee. Yes. <laughs> go vote for Wenatchee, Wenatchee. apparently. And vote then I'll Wenatchee. figure out how to get, get the truck over there. Um, I'll buy the gas. I- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, just, I, again, I just want to share how grateful we, we all are, all of our employees are for customers continuing to come out um, to continuing to buy burgers at our stores through DoorDash um, supporting us through what has been a very hard time. Um, we're, we're very grateful that we were allowed to remain open and continue to serve you. Um, we appreciate your patience when we, we did have to stop fries at some locations for a short period of time. Um, and that is over fries are back. So if you, if you weren't coming back because the fries, the fries are back at all locations. Um, Please remember to round up when you're there. Um, your your change goes a long way to supporting those impacted by the forest fires right now, and and um, uh, to other um, people in, in really hard times, um, in in other circumstances. So, um, just thanks, thank you. We're so grateful for you. And I'll put links to some of these things in the show notes below this episode when we when we launch it here. Well, thank you very much for being on, and you've been a lot of fun, and this has been. For me personally, it's been very entertaining and educational because you're a part of my 20s and 30s um, when I lived in Seattle. Well, and a part of your my, future too when the food truck gets to Wenatchee, right? Well, yeah. Now, but the good news is is that even if you can't get to Wenatchee, you might go to Snoqualmie Pass and I can get there pretty easy. So well, there you go. I'll meet you in the middle. I'll, Perfect. I'll, you know, we'll, we'll, comp- we'll compromise. I, I just think the food truck and a fleet of food trucks is a really kind of a cool cool concept for you guys so anyway well thank you very much for being on the on the episode and um we'll get this cleaned up and edited and sent out and um we'll let you know thank you so much scott i really appreciate it all right you guys take care Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.